Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. It is a pleasure, truly a pleasure to be here uh, to bring the Word of the Lord. Uh, I'm Stephen. That's with a V, not with a PH. That's the correct way of spelling it, with a V, right? Thank you. Um, We've been, for some of you who um, may not know, we've been here since June, um, and we've been hiding out, and we've enjoyed anonymity. There's something to be said to the, the anonymity and rest that you find after years of, of, of giving and giving and giving, uh, where you can have a, a safe space to rest, recover, be filled, be nourished, um, and that's what we've been finding here at NC4 Makanji. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. <clears throat> I'm going to you. I'm going to be looking at you throughout this sermon. You're going to be my amen crowd and the applause. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, I also um, I take uh, this privilege. I need to honor... Um, Another power couple who has been a blessing to my family, my wife and I, um, I wanted to text them to be here um, with us this morning, and I didn't because it felt like it was a little trite to invite people to come and hear you preach. And that's not what I was doing, but this is one thing I've learned that this couple really prays as, as we're preaching, and it's been for years, they're praying as I preach, and I know this. And I felt like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to invite them, and I didn't do it, yet the Lord sent them anyway. Uh, Evelyn and Kuko, I love you. Thank you. They're, they're, over, uh, they, they're coming over from uh, New Covenant Bethlehem, and I sent my greetings. Pastor Jack, Trish, pastoral leadership staff, thank you for this invitation. Thank you for allowing us to come into your, your, your church and to bring the word of the Lord on this Sunday. Uh, thank you for your trust. And... Um, Thank you for everybody's positive words. We've been in a, in, in, in a biblical retreat. We went to the conference, the One Focus conference over the week, and, and I was getting a lot of people coming to me saying, we're excited to hear you preach. And that made me nervous. <laughs> and I was begging them, please just keep the bar real low. Just keep it low. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 we know that you're bringing the word. We're just praying for the technology. And so we're hopeful that the technology is functioning well and getting clearly over to Bethlehem and, um, and you as well on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. And we are not alone. We don't walk alone. We walk with my mom, Maritza. Mommy. <laughs> let, let it be known, I travel with my mother-in-law. That, that small woman gave birth of this to this. Can you, can you imagine? My, our daughter, Gabriela. Our son, Stephen, our friends, Louis and Millie, <laughs> our friends, Ziad and Mildred. And, um, and those two girls, we have walked together for many, many years, ups and downs, and God has been faithful. So I didn't want us to go on mm -hmm. without acknowledging Acknowledge them. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, we are... We are pastor's kids. We were raised in church. I, uh, I know the good, the bad, and the ugly of church. 
there's no conflict like church conflict. I've seen it, I've lived it, and yet I am still here. It is funny, but it is true because I firmly believe that the only transformative institution on the face of the earth is the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to repeat that, not because I have amnesia, but because I think it's worth to be repeated. I believe that the church is the only transformative institution on planet earth. I'm a Pentecostal. Yep. I identify Pentecostally. I was, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trained theologically in a Reformed faith. Um, I remember many years ago when I was in Moravian Theological Seminary, I was sitting in a conference uh, with a lot of people, and there was this elderly woman who was sitting next to me, and we began to have a nice conversation. And she says, you're must, she's really engaged in this conversation. She said, wow, you're really special. She says, you know, have you noticed something about you in the rest of the room? And I said, I think I have. She goes, yes, there's a lot of snow on the roof, but not on your roof. She was talking about all the white hair. She also makes an astute uh, observation. She says, you're also the only non-white person in the room. I go, I noticed. <laughs> and then she said something that really triggered me. She goes, are you, are you Moravian? I said, I am not. Are you Lutheran? I am not. Are you United Church of Christ? I said, I am not. She said, what are you? I said, I'm Pentecostal. She said, oh. You are an intelligent Pentecostal. I took it as a compliment. I'm not easily insulted. But I recognize that it was a mission that, the, that, the, that we can take the spirit with power and the scholastic aptitude of scripture reading into the world to bring reconciliation to a world that needs word and power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you see that? You get you. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop, because it, the least important people here, honestly, are my wife and I. The most important is Jesus, and we've come to speak about him today. We're gonna continue, um, and we decided to to continue the path of pers the pursuit of passion and the profile of passion, looking at passion for the church. And to do this, I'm going to invite you to the book of Psalm, chapter 133. And please forgive me, I may get a little loud. I'll, I know that they'll control the microphones and I'll, I'll control this thing, but um, I'm, you, you might hear me shout hallelujah. I may give my own amen. But I haven't preached in six months. And, and it's been burning inside of me. I was enjoying anonymity, but I was on fire. And so I'm going to burn in front of you now. And, and the book, our holy book, reads as follows. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. I'd like for you to allow me a translation, translation license for just a moment. See, I was raised in a Spanish church. I speak, read, and write Spanish only because of church. 
So I experienced God in Spanish. I believe that Spanish is the language of heaven. So does Gary. And so the, allow me just for a moment to, to quote verse 1 in Spanish, and I'd like to use that translation literally today in our sermon. The Bible says in Spanish, mirad cuán bueno y cuán delicioso es habitar los hermanos juntos en armonía. The literal translation of that is, behold how good and delicious. It is when the brethren dwell together in harmony. And I believe that this text is a foreshadow of the church. In fact, if we look at this text really, really carefully, you may notice that it is echoing something that happens later and that was depicted by the great painter Leonardo da Vinci. In a, in, 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 in a painting he titled The Last Supper. It's very, very famous. We've all seen the painting. It's up on the screen. Now, there are theologians who have argued that, and, and, and there is no debate, that the church was actually born on the day of Pentecost. But there are theologians who argue that the church was conceived at the Last Supper. It began its existence there. This new community would begin here. And so if we are to be uh, honest about this, I'd invite you to the book of Mark chapter 14, verses 22 to 26. And we're not going to jump around too much. These are going to be the two scriptures, but I think it's important that we notice these. And I'm just going to read them and turn around and read this. I need you to notice the imagery and the, the metaphor in comparison to Psalm 133, verse 1, we know what's happening. Jesus has gathered his disciples here to have a meal, a Passover meal. And as they were eating, the Bible says, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it. He gave it to them and said, take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and so they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood that establishes the covenant it is shed for many. I assure you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew, in a new way in the kingdom of God. And notice, after singing psalms, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. But there is a direct correlation between Psalm 133.1 and the Last Supper. For how good and delicious talks about a cuisine. <laughs> Dwelling together is the gathering and harmony has to do with music and singing. It is a foreshadow. As I read from Mark, I hear the echoes. Oh, how good and delicious it is for the brethren to dwell together in harmony. And so as we look at passion, we're going to use hashtag G, what is it? Grubby's handy dandy, G-H-D-D, the hashtag G-H-D-D. Let that, let that uh, take off a little bit. Grub, <laughs> that's going to go viral. 
<laughs> Grubby's handy dandy definition of passion, a powerful and compelling emotion that causes us to act. Not only as individuals, but as a community. Because the church is indeed the Santorum Communio, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his first thesis. It is, the, it is the gathering of the holy community. It is the gathering of saints. It is possible for God to work with the individual, but it is also possible for God to deal through the community. And this community is special. This community is special because the first thing that we're going to notice in the scripture is that we gather together for cuisine. Behold how good and delicious. You see, I was here in the summer. I, I, I was here when we were preaching on gathering at the table and, and, and all that eating that we did. That was good. And it's on purpose because that is the purpose of the church together for cuisine, but just not any cuisine. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, he said, man shall not live on bread alone. By the way, the operative term in that scripture is alone. It is necessary that as a church, despite people being Christian or not, we find ways of feeding them. Jesus, that man shall not live on bread alone is the operative term. But on every word that comes out of the mouth of God, and that's what we come to this gathering for, is for cuisine. Anybody hungry? Is anybody hungry? Because Jesus is speaking about himself when he says those words. For he says, I am the bread Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, okay, some of us have rhythm issues, but we're going to get there. We're, we're all together. Uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He's talking about himself. He was the word that was spoken in the beginning of creation. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Jesus was there. The Gospel of John records Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst again. We come to this holy gathering. We commune in this holy space because we're hungry for the word of the living God. And as Pastor Grubby was teaching during our One Focus conference this week, he said something that was really powerful. All scripture is Jesus. And this is why I'm able to see the thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation, even from the table of context to the maps. I see this thread that's all about Jesus weaving out through all of the scripture. It's why I'm able to see in Psalm 133 that this scripture has everything to do with Jesus and his holy gathering. We gather for cuisine. We've all probably had the experience where a friend says something like, you have to go to this restaurant. It's real authentic Italian. Or, or it's real authentic Mexican. Somebody, we, I, come on, you've got to. <laughs> Gary, you probably said it a couple of times. It's, it's real authentic. The church, 
The gathering of the saints, this holy community is where the world can have the real, authentic Jesus. This is where the centrality and the periphery of the meal, who is, who is Jesus himself, God's word incarnate, is eaten. It is also where Jesus serves us himself. No one needs to leave hungry when they're in the church. It is here where we consume his love and also where we are consumed by his love. It is here where we consume his mercy and also are consumed by his mercy. It is here where we consume his presence and are also consumed by his presence. It is from this place where we proclaim Psalm 38 verse 34 verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How many have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Um, this is really new for us. The whole turn thing never before we were always uh, doing it together Spanish English so um, thank you for tolerating my sitting there and shaking my leg amen so it is definitely good to see and it's definitely tasteful to be in the presence of the Lord and all of you it is something to say when you walk into a house and you can feel the presence of the Lord. Congratulations, NC4, because his presence is here. And Christ's passion made a way for us to belong to something much greater than ourselves. Amen. When we do belong to something greater than ourselves, it gives us purpose. It gives us mission. It gives us a sense of importance and meaning. And what I find interesting is that Jesus, right after he was betrayed, he showed his disciples with the breaking of the bread that the new covenant also symbolizes a new community. Right after he was betrayed. He says, there is a new way. Let me show you a new community, a new way of relating to each other, one that eliminates hierarchy or what we like to say, but we need to have order. One that establishes instead servanthood and the sharing of his unlimited provision of bread and wine with each other. Jesus, the word. It is a continual church giving and receiving of his love to and from one another. A continual giving and receiving of his love. There is always an overflowing of who he is in and through us. Amen. I really love how Jesus just broke it down when he sat at the table with his disciples. He made it so practical. 
in a way that so that you and I can actually replicate his ways to have the same passion for each other that he actually didn't have but still has for us amen but before we can enjoy of this new community the old community must be broken the breaking of the bread symbolizes the breaking of isolation and separation the results of the individual reckoning of the law of Moses when we when one transgressed in the middle of the people right one was punished as an individual that was back then that was the old community if one transgressed was removed from the community at large and many still practice this but at the table, he wanted to teach a new way of relating to one another. Amen. Jesus was going to interrupt this old way by breaking the isolation and the separation that represented the old community and suffering and dying once and for all. And in doing so, creating a new community of belonging. How many want to just belong? How many just want that sense of security, familiarity? That's what he was creating, of us being together so that we can actually live the scripture when it says cry with those who cry, laugh with those who cry. That when we see one another going through something, it's not from a place of judgment. I kind of saw something was off with the sister and the brother but no it's a hurry of compassion let me cry with you let me feel with you let me mourn with you oh you are joyful let me joy with you let me rejoice with you that we would be so passionate about gathering for connection this is the second point right gathering for connection to freely celebrate as well as mourn to instruct each other as well as learn from one another because there's no more hierarchy there is servanthood amen to care for one another so genuinely and demonstrate with our way of loving and living what it really means once again to belong not because we are the same this this weekend at the conference friday night we heard not because we are the same or in spite of our differences but because of our differences we intentionally pursue because we're passionate we're intentionally pursuing togetherness togetherness to remind each other of jesus see when jesus sat at the table he said do this in memory of me that our gathering for connection may be a moment, an opportunity to remind one, one another about Jesus. We know, church, that life can be very hard. Life has a way of surprising us. And I don't know all of your stories. I know mine. It has a way of leaving us vulnerable, awestruck, without words, 
without even a thought about what the future may actually look like. But that's why I go back to where this verse begins. It says, and right after he was betrayed, right after that moment of just intense sorrow, vulnerability, he showed them a better way. So that you and I can have license just to get over it. To not let us get us stuck. Hallelujah. To show us that in the midst of our deep life moments, we can be sustained by the love of God that connects us. Let that sink in. We may be different, but there is the love of God that connects us. The love of God that connects us so that we can powerfully, going back to that meaning of passion, powerfully compels us to take action and demonstrate now. Take action and demonstrate compassion when needed, forgiveness when needed, which is most likely in my case daily. Mercy when needed in my case daily. And kindness. And many times in a very, very simple ways. It's, uh, it's always about the little things, church. The little things, the little moments that we can demonstrate how the love of God connects us. A simple text, a simple smile, a simple hug, a simple, hey, I'm praying for you. I see you. You belong. You're not alone. We got this. We're in this together. So don't hold back, church. Let us love freely and let us love big. This is actually what the world needs, wants, and proclaims. And yet we've had it forever. Let us not hold back. Let us love freely and let us big. Because just like the psalm said, it is actually beautiful. It is a sight to see. It is pleasant, es delicioso, and there is abundance for all. It says that it runs down from the beard of Aaron all the way down to his garments, for the mountain all the way down to Zion, meaning that it, there is plenty for all. It's just not at the head, it's at the bottom for you and I to have access to it. To stay connected. So I pray, I pray that we may start appreciating this beauty. Appreciating one another's beauty and uniqueness more and criticizing it less. That our eyes have, could be unveiled to see the beauty that we are. The church of Christ, his body connected by the power of his love for there, for here, church, here, here, he sends life abundant and forevermore. We gather for cuisine, we gather for connection. Finally, we gather for choral convergence. 
Notice that the last thing that Jesus does together with his disciples before the crucifixion is that they sing. There's something beautiful when we come together and sing. The psalmist ends the first stanza of this song with the word harmony. I love the word harmony. I get that many of our translations use unity, but I love harmony. Because it shows us something really peculiar about the church. It's interesting that, that, that but not surprising that he uses a musical motif to describe the gathering of the saints. You see, harmony in music is the simultaneous playing of two pitches that has a pleasing effect. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. It's just not about music. It is the euphonious sound. I like that word, Gary. I like, I like euphonious. It sounds pretty. It is the euphonious sound of different pitches that when they come together produce a pleasantness in our hearing. And through this euphonious sound, our senses and our emotions enjoy a depth and breath in the musical expression. This should all give us hope. Because it reassures us that we don't all have to be the same in order to be together. <laughs> we can still look good and look different. We can still sound good and be different. Because when we are together, we produce a euphonious sound. It reassures us that God is pleased with our composed diversity that adds beauty, depth, and breadth to the holy experience, the holy communion, when all God's children gather to eat and to sing. The choral convergence can be quite comical because all our musical skill levels are not the same. It seems like we will all apportion musical skills according to how quickly you got to the line. And some of us, some of us were playing when God called us to the line. We weren't paying attention. And I think it was like first come, first serve. Some were, were paying attention and got there and being diligent and others were messing around playing heavenly hopscotch. And they showed up late, but still it's amazing that even in this diver diversity, there isn't a problem. The choral conversion of the gathering of saints. See, some of us in church are the violin section. Some of us in church are the brass section. Some of us in church are the rhythm section. But what, but despite those differences, what we have in common here is that when we all come together, we're singing off of one sheet of music. 
There is, the Bible says, one body. The Bible says there is one spirit. There, the Bible says there is one hope of calling. The Bible says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, and we all sing together for him. Yeah. <laughs> we, we might be different, but man, we sound good together. Mm. And to, to those of us who showed up late, those of you who showed up on time, you're both covered. The Bible says to sing to him a new song and do it skillfully. Those are the people who showed up on time. <laughs> I know, listen, I've been in church all my life. It could be funny, but then it gets annoying after a while. And still has nothing to do with me. <laughs> because at the end of this thing, we're all singing one song together to one king. Together. <laughs> and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I just ask that those of you who sing the new song skillfully sing louder than the rest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the text also speaks to those who don't have the musical gifts and showed up a little late. When the Bible says in Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye people, you see, we're all covered. Whether you can sing on key or not, you're all invited to the choral convergence. <laughs> no matter your skill level, no matter your state, no matter your status in life, we're all covered and have a place in this holy community of saints where we have a choral convergence. This choral convergence we call church. We need to have passion when we come into this place. We have to come with energy and emotion. And when we bring those twain powers together, they cause an explosion of the Holy Spirit that no person could ever resist. Mm, it's essentially what happened in the Acts chapter 2 Pentecost experience. There were many nations gathered. Now you see, what happened on that day, it's highly debated to this day. They, the, the actual occurrences of what actually happened is debated. What is not debated among the theologians and denominations is this, that all were filled. We all got something out of it. And I guarantee you that when you walk through the doors of this place, and you come with emotion and energy to recognize the King of Kings, you will be filled by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because in this sacred space of singing, we have transformative encounters with God. And for also, in our diversity, we have people, not only with different skill levels, but some have come to the sacred gathering carrying sickness. Some who are whole and healthy, others being oppressed by depression, and others living without a worry. Some dealing with financial hardships and others grateful for a recent promotion. That's diversity. But despite that condition, you're still welcome in this holy gathering. We're looking for more choral members to sing of the goodness of the Lord. And yet, despite all these distinctions, we converge in this sacred space with distinct needs in our souls. And we can sing. Oh, he touched me. Yes, he touched me. And all oh, the joy 
that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me As we sing together, we are bonded together in the here and now. It is a space for refreshing. It is a space where we know that we are all covered. It is a space where you may come in empty and you leave overflowing with the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. For the Lord, the psalmist finishes Psalm 133, for the Lord has appointed the blessing in that place, life forevermore. The church is a space of blessing. The church is a space for the authentic manifestation of Jesus, the risen Christ who has and shall forevermore offer eternal life to those who accept it. And we sing of that goodness in this place. It is in this place where eternity and time converge. It is in this place where the heavenly there and then converges with the secular here and now. And this is why that is from this place of blessing that we call the church, God's holy community. If you identify, please say amen. Amen. It is from this holy community that we proclaim with loud voice, oh, the king is coming, the king is coming I can hear the trumpet sounding and now his face I see hold I used to think that that was an eschatological song I used to think that that was my way of escaping. You see, because in, in the, the Hispanic community back, back when, not that old, but I am older than I was. <laughs> we, we, the, the Hispanic community was quite different. The Hispanic Christian community was quite different. It was a, a people of oppression, the people of meager means, trying to find their identity. And their identity was found in escaping this reality, which was pretty harsh. And, I, and I, I speak that from my context, but I know that it's not just a Hispanic thing. But we did own eschatology. You walked into our Christian bookstores, and there were the, the, from the front to the back of the store, it was littered with books about the end times. You, couldn't, you could not trip over and not hit a book about the end times. And as they played the music in the background through the speakers, it was all about the church being lifted away and being raptured, and we're getting out of here. We even had songs that we sang pretty regularly in church about, we, we, this is not our home, we're getting out of here. Our services were pretty much littered. At least one song was about, I'm getting out of here. Oh, and I, I love this, this, this hymn, The King is Coming, because it was, it was 
aligned with that thought that I'm getting out of here, I'm escaping this. But I've come to the reality that this is not only about the then and there, it's the here and now. It is from this place that we sing the king is coming so that all may hear the king is coming here today for you. That there is a possibility that the miracle that you need right now can happen because Jesus, the king, is coming here today. It is in this choral convergence that we call the church where we sing the king is coming. That every need that is out there that needs to be satisfied can be satisfied by the king who is coming here today. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And as we sing, we usher in the king of glory to come and be with us and sup with us and give to us and heal us and touch us and give us the transformation we need. The king is coming. And so we sing, the king is coming, the king is coming, praise God, he is coming. Oh, praise God, he is coming. Jesus is both chef who serves the queen. Jesus is both connector who connects a diverse community. And finally, Jesus is the conductor of our choral convergence. And we say, yes, Lord, we're passionate to be part of this community. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.